opportunities that are before us. And so, uh, praise God. You know, throughout uh, history, uh, our country has experienced uh, uh, moments where an individual uh, made a decision to stand and to be different. Um, They made a decision to stand up for their faith, um, to oppose uh, things that were wrong. Um, One of my uh, favorite uh, movies that I've watched through the years is a movie called Amazing Grace, and it's uh, a movie by uh, William Wilberforce, and uh, uh, he uh, uh, combated slavery, and uh, and the number of years that uh, he fought this through, um, uh, you know, their legislature, and he'd, he'd just be this, this persistent um, uh, noise, this hammer, just uh, every day, just uh, doing that little bit to impact his country and how they approach this whole uh, concept of slavery. And, and one individual, one voice, um, and it took time, but one individual, one voice was able to make a difference and uh, change an entire country's approach towards slavery. You know, uh, in our country, we've had, uh, here in the United States, we've had individuals um, do similar things, similar feats, similar accomplishments. Um, you know, many um, don't care for uh, former President Trump and his some of the things that he did, but uh, there will be things that he will be remembered for in regarding to economy and the things that he accomplished in that area. Other presidents have been acknowledged in similar ways where they are remembered. You know, President Reagan um, remembered for um, uh, the wall of Berlin coming down and his influence and his impact in, in that country. And, and that's not to say that these individuals did everything right. That they, that they did everything um, in a righteous way. That mistakes weren't made. But what they did was they continued to fight for what was right. This you know, week in, our, in my time of prayer, I just was thinking about different things. And, and yesterday as I was sitting down to uh, just put some of these thoughts together, uh, I started thinking about Rosa Parks and uh, the impact she made on this country because uh, uh, she wouldn't give up her seat on a bus. Um, the persecution that she endured uh, because of her willingness to stand against something that was wrong. Todd Beamer, passenger on Flight 93, you know, fought back with the 9-11 terror- terrorists. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not known how many lives that he saved because of his act. You know, if that flight would have been able to continue down the path it was going. Candy Leitner, uh, many don't know her, but she stood up against drunk driving um, when her uh, three-year-old daughter was killed by a drunk driver who had been cited multiple times for drunk driving. And she uh, went out on a crusade to make a change in some of the, the laws. Many other individuals have made impacts. Can you think of uh, someone uh, throughout history, uh, a name that you could share that made a similar impact, changed the nation from their actions? Anyone think of someone? Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Absolutely. And those that, you know, start reading the history books realize that, you know, Abraham Lincoln didn't do everything right, but but he, he was guided by a, um, a, a moral standard. So, yeah, George Washington. Someone else. What's that? Emmett Till. Okay. And what did he do? Wow. 
And sometimes it is making us aware of things that makes a difference. Being willing to be a voice. You know, how often have we seen something that was wrong, that was being done, and we remain silent? You know, it is said that, you know, you know evil will prevail when good men choose to do nothing. You know, good men and women, when we choose to be sideline players, when we choose to withhold our voice, that evil will prevail. And so if we want to make a difference in this world, we have to choose to be a voice. We have to choose to get in the fight. Um, a movie that I um, uh, watched recently... Um, and uh, I'm sure many of you have, have probably have heard about it. Um, this individual, he was a Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, he, was, uh, he, he joined uh, the ranks of the military, not because of he wanted to go to war, but because he felt this internal obligation to serve his country. Um, it, the movie Hacksaw Ridge is about his efforts uh, in this area. And... Um, he was a pacifist. Uh, he wouldn't touch a weapon. And yet, when you read of his exploits, even though through the earlier stages of his time in the military, he was persecuted and, and tried to, uh, they were trying to get him to uh, quit. And he refused. He refused because of his guiding principles. See, that is one of the things that I think as a nation many times we've lost is to have these internal guiding principles that will allow us to rise up in the midst of difficult times. You know, there are those in our society that would want to say that there are no absolute truths. And, and even in those individuals trying to make that declaration, they themselves are trying to create an absolute truth. And so they invalidate their own argument. But the truth is, there are absolute truths. There is good and there is evil. And there are principles that God has given uh, us that are supposed to guide and direct our lives. And if we don't activate those principles then the things that God desires to do will not come to pass. I was thinking of individuals in the Scriptures that really made such a, a major impact, and yet we really don't know a lot about them. I, I was thinking about Jabez in First Chronicles 4.10. You know, Jabez is only mentioned a couple times in Scripture, and yet... Um, God chose to enlighten us to uh, this passage, and it says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. It was a simple prayer of a man who, who was not in a place of necessarily of major leadership, and yet God looked at his heart. And blessed him for his faith. Josiah was one of the greatest kings to ever rule Israel. And he started his reign when he was only eight years old. Can you imagine? Is there anybody that has an eight-year-old in here? I know most of ours are either younger or older in that area. But uh, eight years old and he's king of a nation. According to 2 Kings 22.2, it says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You know, if you want to, uh, I think if you want to rise to a place of prominence, if you want to rise to a place of honor, that really is the guiding principle. You do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. It is not about what you want, it is about what God wants. Anytime we run a decision through our filter first that says, is this something that I want to do? I think we create the wrong scenario. <laughs> our filter should not be one that says, is this what I want to be part of? It should be, what does God think of this? Is God in this? Mordecai. 
in the book of Esther is the cousin and guardian of Esther, a foreigner who becomes uh, queen of Persia. And Mordecai uses his position in the king's court to stand up for the oppressed people of God. And in so doing, he also foils the plot to assassinate the king. See, it, it is not necessarily having a position of prominence, it's having a willingness to serve wherever you're at. Are you willing to serve where you're at? Are you willing to lower yourself to a position of service that God may be elevated? Ehud um, comes out of Judges chapter 3. Um, I was in some of my readings that said he would fit nicely in a James Bond movie. Israel was under oppressive rule of, of uh, Eglon, the king of Moab, and cried out to the Lord for deliverance. The Moabites were idol worshipers who did evil in the sight of the Lord. God sent Ehud and his cubic long, about a foot and a half sword, to assassinate the king and liberate God's people from his rule. Ehud must have been a smooth talker because when he told his servants uh, of the king that he had a secret message for him uh, in Judges 3.19, they, let, uh, they left Ehud all alone with the king. And Ehud's secret message was the sword that he had brought. And he stabbed him in the belly of a grossly overweight king and killed him. And Ehud quietly locked the doors to the roof and kept to keep the guards out and, and quickly escaped. And he returned to the people of Israel and he led them in conquering their enemies, the Moabites. Jethro, father-in-law of Moses in Exodus 18, Moses was overwhelmed with his task of leading Israel and, and Jethro stepped in and, and gave him great counsel This name here, for probably all of us here, probably will not ring a bell. Elisha, Elisha, Elishama, Elishama. We're going to go with that, all right? <laughs> he, uh, he is not interested uh, for his great feats. He was a simple scribe, a secretary. But he was mentioned briefly in Jeremiah 36 or 12. What makes him such a significant character is um, in 1986, outside of Jerusalem, a clay seal was found that says, Elishama, servant of the king, providing that he was indeed, uh, proving that he was indeed a scribe in the exact setting and situation that the scripture describes validating the book of Jeremiah even more. See, we don't realize that some of the most significant events are not things that people are going to herald as a, you know, delivering people, but he validated God's Word. It is, it is so important for us to understand that God has placed such pivotal moments in the lives of men and women that we have an opportunity to side with God. And let me just be honest with you. Anytime you choose to side with anyone but God, you're on the wrong side. And, and although darkness may prevail for a time, evil may have a place for a time, there is coming a time, according to Scripture, that darkness will have to flee. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. These are... Things that God promises us in His Word. And we have to be prepared for that. So today, my, my encouragement for you, my challenge for you, is to open up your minds to the opportunity that God may have something amazing for you to do. I remember a story of a very rich man who made his fortune in crocodile farming. Selling crocodile skins to top fashion houses. One day he threw a party around his house. In the middle of the party, he, he posed a challenge to the audience. He said, if anyone can swim across the crocodile pool from one end to the other, he will be rewarded with the hand of my beautiful daughter. There was a big buzz in the audience. Out of nowhere, there was one big splash. 
Suddenly the audience roared in thunderous applause as one young man swam crisscrossing his way, at times wrestling the crocodiles. A few seconds later, he miraculously reached the other end of the pool without, without uh, injury or scratch. With such death-defying death effort, the people applauded with great celebration. At the end of the pool, the rich man, puzzled and perplexed, interviewed the young man. Young man, congratulations, you have proven, proven your mettle. Now before I give you the hand of my daughter, I just want to know one thing. What was, your mind, what was on your mind when you jumped into the pool? The young man said, sir, I just want to know who pushed me in the pool. <laughs> Sometimes we need a little help to accomplish something great. And today, I am, I am looking at shoving a few people into the pool. How many of you ever saw those moments uh, gathered around a pool as someone was walking around and their friends went up and shoved them in? Um, you know, I remember when I was young and, and uh, my kids always wanted to attack me and either dunk me or push me in the water and stuff like that. And, you know, how, is there any other parents out there that your kids tried to do that to you? It was all great until my son got bigger, bigger than I was, taller than I was, you know, and, uh, and it became more difficult to overcome him. <laughs> I, I remember one day we were wrestling in a hot tub and he was determined that he was going to dunk me and I was determined he wasn't. But the problem was I could no longer pick him up because he was longer than I could get him out of the water. You know, before I would just pick him up and throw him. I couldn't do that anymore, and before I knew it, he was picking me up, and I'm, I'm swinging my feet, and I, I kicked the side of the hot tub, which is made of concrete. My toes still feel that today at different times, and that was some, you know, 12 years ago probably. Um, we all have those moments where we need, you know... We need someone to push us in and to say, listen, you can do more. And, and I believe we have one of those moments available to us today. Before I get to that, I want to read to you another passage of Scripture. And it really is our guiding light for where we're going today. It's, it's found in the book of Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Moses is, is, take, is talking with God. God is presenting him with a challenge. And uh, in verses 1 and 2 it says, And Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me? And the Lord... And what do, what do they... What, excuse me. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? That is the title of the message today. What is in your hand? I think most of us will, are, are familiar with Moses and his great exploits that he did for the Lord. God had a call on his life from a young age. You know, he was, he was, uh, he was born in a time where the king was trying to kill off all the, 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 the boys um, that were being born at that time. He was trying to, the, the Pharaoh was trying to squelch this generation of men in Israel. And, uh, you know, that's been the, the plan of the enemy many times is to kill off those that have the potential to cut, rise up against them. And yet, Moses' mother, in a moment of, uh, of desperation, put uh, Moses in a basket, um, put him out in a, an area where uh, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter was, and uh, she saw him floating down, uh, rescued him, uh, and God set in motion uh, a time of preparation for Moses to begin to become the man that God had for him to be. And in the amazing circumstances that took place, God actually allowed uh, Moses' own mother, because she was nearby keeping an eye on her son, to be the one that the Pharaoh's daughter 
uh, called in to provide care for Moses. What a, what a miracle that God was able to accomplish because someone was unwilling to just accept what the enemy was throwing at them, what the world was throwing at them. She was willing to take a chance that God could rescue her son. Are you willing to take a chance? Are you willing to be someone who says that God can use me to do whatever He wants? I am willing to be His servant. In Exodus 3, we have a little bit more of this story, and and I've included the verses here for us. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. So we have to understand that um, prior to this, um, Moses had, had come to an awareness of who he was, and, and he tried to force really the hand of God in some ways. He tried to uh, increase his acceptance among the children of Israel by killing an Egyptian. And it backfired on him. He ended up not endearing himself to the hearts of uh, uh, the children of Israel. And instead, um, he ended up going, uh, running off and, and, and fleeing Egypt at that time. And he, he ended up in a time where um, he became a shepherd for um, the father-in-law of the girl that he married. And that's Jethro here who became so influential in his life. And so at verse number one, we pick up where he was tending the flock of Jethro and his father, for his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from the land to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Israel. But Moses said to, the, to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? that I should bring them, or bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord your God, um, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. What, what a declaration of God to help... Uh, set the children of Israel down a path of deliverance. And yet, as God was, was doing great exploits, can you imagine as you're out tending sheep, you're, you're at this location, all of a sudden a, a bush immediately sparks into fire and is not consumed, and out of, the, out of this fiery bush comes the, the voice of God. Calling Moses 
back to the place that he had run from. Calling him back to that place that God had placed him. Now, this time in the, in the wilderness, this time of shepherding, is a time of preparation for Moses. He doesn't realize it, but God is still working. God is still teaching him. Moses had no idea that as, as he had to learn to lead these sheep, and if anybody has ever really studied you know, sheep, sheep are not necessarily always easy to lead, and you're always having to uh, do different things to protect the sheep, because sheep are not smart. I'm, I'm not trying to make this prettier than it is. Sheep, if someone is leading to them place over a cliff, those sheep literally will go over that cliff with them. They're, they're not smart enough to change that path. You know, if, if someone leads them to an area that is is there's no food to eat, they will stay there out of that obedience because they don't understand. The shepherd's responsibility is to, to lead the sheep to green pastures. The shepherd's responsibility is to protect them, to guide them to a place that they would always be in that protective hand. When one goes off, the shepherd goes after the one. And is able to bring them back in. So Moses in, in his state of unawareness really was being prepared to lead the children of Israel out of captivity. In many ways, the children of Israel had become like sheep. Because they had, they had developed a lifestyle where they, they did and said what their captors told them to do and say. They had lost any level of uh, courage to, to be able to rise up against them. And, and Moses was coming in to be that change agent. Moses was coming in to be that catalytic event that would spur the children of Israel into a new place. And one of the things that as you read further into uh, Moses and his interaction with God, he begins to present God with the excuses of why he cannot accomplish what God has called him to do. I can't speak. How many of you have ever used an excuse to God like, God, I am not a person who is good with language. I don't think you can use me. Okay. I, I think we, I, I can honestly tell you when I went to Bible college, I had an understanding that God had called me to ministry. But I, I struggled with my ability to communicate certain truths because my language was very limited. I didn't grow up in an educated home. I, I didn't grow up in a home that challenged me to read lots of books. Um, I, I, I really grew up in a time where education was used to make sure I could play sports. Okay, I, I, I made sure I passed everything so I would never not be able to play football. <laughs> that was my guiding light, you know. Um, I didn't value the education at the time, and so I, I got by with as little effort as I could. When I went to college and I, and I began to... Uh, struggle through this process. I was, I was at this disadvantage because I didn't value it. And so I had to work twice as hard in many ways to accomplish what some were doing. And I was working a, a full-time job through my time in college. And so I, I felt like I was always working and struggling and, and trying to accomplish things. And um, you know, and so I'd, I'd go to school, and then I'd go to work, and then I'd come home and have to do my schoolwork. And, and so my, my life really became about this, this period of time where um, I was either working or studying. And when I tried to incorporate my time of play with my you know, friends going out and doing what they were doing, it really put me in a bind because then I was doing homework till 2 or 3 in the morning to get done to go to school at 6. And so I, I didn't realize the struggle, and I didn't learn how to type, and, I, and now I'm in college, and I have to type reports. 
on a, how many of you have ever used one of those metal little typewriters that, you know, and you had, to, you had a, a little white correction tab that you'd put, you make a mistake and you put this tab and then you have to backspace, you know, you have to, I mean, there was this workout. There was nothing easy. And, and I, I started over many times. Or I would just, I, I probably cut a few corners. And I would just take my pencil and I'd draw a line through that and re- keep typing. Because after a while, it's like you're so tired and you've got a mistake on every other space. And, uh, and it was a lot of work. And, and so, but I made it through this season. But it was a preparation. We, if we don't realize that what we're going through today is a preparation for something tomorrow, that what you've gone through over the last year and the last five years has been a preparation for something God is getting ready to unleash on you. It has not been for nothing. And it has not just been for your own benefit. God's plan is bigger than that. God has something more for you to do. God is going to continue to call you out and He's going to continue to put you in positions and opportunities for you to rise up and to be different. And that's where I feel like sometimes we need someone to push us in the pool. To push us in the water. I'd like Gabriel and Linda to come up here. We have a position opening uh, open on our trustee board, and uh, and Gabriel and Linda have served us faithfully. You can just stand down here in the front, and uh, and you know what? They volunteer for a lot of things, um, but but I I presented this to the trustees to the board here just a few weeks ago that I felt like God had something more for them. And so I'm pushing them in the pool. You know how to swim? Good. And Linda knows how to wrestle an alligator because she takes care of you most days, right? Um, And so I'm going to invite our uh, board to come up here, and we're going to gather around, and we're going to pray. And uh, we are installing Gabriel and Linda as trustees here for Bellbrook Community Church. And... And uh, I'm excited about this opportunity for them. Um, there are countless opportunities for a, and Pastor Willie come, Isaac come, Robert come, um, Paul, our elders come. Um, I want to bless them. I am so thankful for all that God is doing um, in and through them. Uh, let us let us bless them and um, and just pray that God would continue to provide opportunity for them to hear from him and to help provide that leadership. And uh, uh, Brother Jerry, I'm going to invite you, if you would, I'm going to grab a microphone and I'm just going to ask you to pray. Let me find, here's a microphone. See, I'm good at just pushing people in the pool. So, uh, Brother Jerry, would you pray and just bless them right now? Hallelujah. Lay hands on them and all of you out there, just extend your arms, your hands to them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you this day for our brother and sister. Thank you, Lord, Father, that you have brought them to us. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for their well-being. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for their ability to relinquish themselves to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. We're looking forward to great things from this body, and they will be a part of that happening because of you. And Lord, just continue to bless them, bless their family. Give them wisdom and strength to be the people you want them to be mm-hmm. and to do the things you want them to do. We thank you for them and ask you again for your blessing upon them. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you very much, guys. Now, we can be thankful that... Uh, Gabriel knows how to swim. Um, But you know what? What we did today was just 
putting into motion some things that God was already doing. Um, you know, Gabriel, and, and over the last couple months, through lots of conversation and interaction, um, got a vision for what um, we could do with a church sign, a digital sign. And by his own initiative, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't come to say, hey, pastor, can I go and start doing all this research? And uh, he just began to research potential. Sometimes we, we use an excuse like, pastor, you have to bless this before I can go ahead and do it. Where in the world? You know, Jesus is the head of the church. And, and I can come alongside of you and bless you, but I'll tell you what, this church will do so much more if you just are willing to step in and, and do something that God puts, you, uh, puts a fire under you to do. And So he's done the research, he's created a fundraiser, um, it's put, been put out on Facebook, uh, we, we've been praying about this, we're believing God's going to raise the 20000 we need for a new digital sign. Do you know God can do it? Yesterday, a friend of ours, uh, pastors over uh, in uh, uh, Clayton, um, he, he talked about they're getting ready to have a digital sign put in. Somebody from their church came in and said, you know what, God put this on our heart to do, and he wrote a check for the whole amount. So I'm just telling you, you know what, God has all the resources of heaven available to him and, and can accomplish whatever he sets his heart to do. But it took somebody saying, listen, I'm willing to, to get behind this and help you do this. Now, I'm not telling you you have to write a check for 20000 today, but you can. I will never tell you not to if that's something God's putting on your heart. But, but the real issue is, are you willing to risk making yourself look foolish and having something not turn out the way you thought it would? to do something that could turn out to be amazing for God. See, all I'm asking you is to be willing to get in the water. Because <laughs> once you're there, I tell you what, something kicks in because you don't want to be consumed by the alligator or the crocodile or whatever was in the water at that time. Or you don't want to drown, so you learn to swim. How many of you were taught to swim by um, a, a parent or a loved one taking you to the water and throwing you in. And you learn to swim. That, do you know that's how they used to do it? <laughs> now, where I lived, my dad didn't swim, and so he didn't just take us down to the creek to throw us in. Of course, the creek was only a foot deep. So uh, it's not like I would have swam far. It was a pretty easy endeavor. But, but that's how they used to teach people to swim. Now they have lessons, and you teach them to overcome your fear. And, but tell you what, when you're thrown into the water, you really overcome a lot of fear. Because <laughs> it's this fear of, I'm going to die or I'm going to learn to swim right now. And I'll tell you what, some of you need to realize that God wants you to overcome all the fears that you've been struggling with, and it could happen by someone just shoving you in. Sometimes it's a spouse shoving you in. I can, I can be honest, there have been many times in, in my time of ministry that someone was launched into ministry because a spouse volunteered them. And I give you permission, if you're, you know, if you're needing to encourage your spouse in an area and you see a gifting. Uh, I remember back when we were doing home groups a number of years ago, um, uh, the home group I was leading, and um, I was going to be gone. And, and in the middle of the home group, I just announced that Elaine was going to be a leading the next home group. No announcement. <laughs> no, no conversation prior to that event. And, and she was shocked and in awe. It was one of those shock and awe moments. And then she graciously said, okay, and she prepared. I, I'm just telling you, when you say yes to God, God gets behind the yes. Sometimes we are so about the no that God never has an opportunity to perform a miracle on our behalf. 
But when you say yes to God, man, He begins to speak in you and through you to accomplish great things. And, and really, as Moses was uh, you know, standing before God, and, and he was arguing with God about his own abilities to accomplish this great task, God said to Moses, what is in your hand? And he had a staff, and he threw the staff down, and it became a snake. And that was the beginning process of God beginning to take Moses to a place of uh, delivering the people from uh, slavery. Moses had to still throw the staff down. And then he had to be willing to pick it up. And, and I look at that moment of throwing the staff down as a moment of surrender. And then a moment of picking the, the snake back up as it turned back into a staff. As a moment of acceptance that God... I say yes to what you have for me. Because Moses could have said, well, it's a snake now. God, you're on your own. <laughs> you do whatever you need to with this snake. But no. Moses reached down and grabbed hold of the snake, and it became a staff. And God began to do more things of taking Moses to a place of delivering the children of Israel. And the journey wasn't easy. I'm just telling you what God's calling to you. I'm not giving you any promises of how easy it will be. I'm not giving you any assurance that you're not going to have a difficulty tomorrow as soon as you say yes today. The reality is um, tomorrow's going to be hard as soon as you say yes. Actually, as soon as you get home, it's going to be hard. So I want you to prepare yourself mentally. We've been talking over this last um, several months about us taking ground for God. And, and I believe that God is wanting to do something new for you. And so if our, uh, if our musicians can come and just begin to play something for us, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Bow your heads with me for a moment. I want you to think. Has God been calling you to something more? You may not know what it is yet, but you know you're hearing the voice of God say, I have something more for you to do. And so, if you're hearing God say more, if you're hearing God say, I have something for you to do, then I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and I'm going to ask you to step out of your, your pew, out of where you're sitting, and I want you to come and just stand up here in the front. And we're going to pray God's blessing on you. You don't have to say what that thing is right now, but what you're doing is saying yes to the Lord with what's in your hand. Throwing it down. And this is your throw down moment. This is the moment that you throw down that thing that God has placed before you. And we're going to bless. We're going to bless it and you're going to be prepared to pick it up here in a moment. But uh, while our worship team plays, I'm just going to say, come. If God has put something on your heart, you come. Don't you dare sit back and ignore the voice of God from the fiery bush. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. Hallelujah. We say yes, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah, Lord. We say yes. Thank you for those that are responding. Oh, Lord. 
Just begin to worship Him, those that have responded right now. Just begin to lift your hands to the Lord. Just begin to tell Him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Yes, Lord, I will do whatever you tell me to do today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray your blessing on Melissa, Father. Father, whatever it is you place in her heart, Father, I believe that you want to do something significant in her and through her. And I pray today as she surrenders that that staff to you, Father, that your blessing would be upon her to do something great for you. Father, I thank you for Donna. Father, I pray as Donna surrenders that piece of her, you and says, Lord, use what I have. Father, I pray that you would help her to take that gift and pick up that staff and then be able to serve you in new ways. Father, I pray your blessing on her and I thank you. Father, I lift up Jean today and I thank you for her faithfulness and her willingness to lay down. Father, and she's She's done so many things through the years, and yet today she's here saying, listen, I lay down what's in my hand to do something new for you, Lord. Whatever you have for me, I'm willing to do something new. Bless her, Father. Bless her. I pray for Caleb, Lord. Father, I thank you for his faithfulness, his willingness to surrender, Father, that which is in his hand to do something new and amazing for you. I pray your blessing on him. Father, I pray that you would speak to him with that still small voice, Father. And Father, as he surrenders his gifts and talents to you, that he'd be willing to pick up and serve you in new ways, Father. And I just thank you. Bless him, Father, with continued boldness. Thank you for all that you're doing. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Church body, I want you to uh, step out in faith this year. You know what? Link arms with someone and say, listen, uh, I feel like God's called me to do this. I'd like you to walk with me on it. Take someone along. More than anything, I want you to say yes to God. And so those of you that have stepped out, I want you to begin to pray and see what God will place in your heart to do. And then I want you to, um, this week, before Wednesday, I want you to send me a response of what God has for you, that God's been speaking to your heart. And I believe God's going to give you something. Because you've already said yes. So the hard part's done. The yes is out of the way. Now just begin to see what God's going to do with your yes. So, Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. Father, even as I believe that there are others that, uh, Father, didn't respond, that you're moving on, I pray, Father, that you'll move on their heart, that even this week, um, they're going to respond and say, um, I didn't come up, but God was speaking to me, and I'm saying yes. And here's what I feel like God's telling me to do. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I pray your blessing upon each one here today. For all those that are sick, Father, I lift up Constance as she's going through so much right now. Father, there's so many tests, so many different things she's dealing with right now. And Father, uh, in talking with George on, on Wednesday, I... I know that the family is feeling the overwhelming um, pressure of this uh, time. And so I just pray that you would be with them, that you'd be with George and Constance, that you would draw them together in this. And then I pray that there would be peace in this household like never before. Father, I pray your blessing on them. Father, I pray your blessing on our offering here this morning. I thank you for the faithfulness of your people and their giving. I pray that you would help us to continue to do that which you have placed before us. And uh, we just thank you. We ask your blessing on these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. The, uh, the offering plates, they're going to go ahead and uh, Martha and Jerry are going to pass those out here. And then once they're...